Welcome to Off Code, the show where we ignore the cultural codes and have real and intriguing conversations regarding the Black community and ways we can move forward to human flourishing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Off Code. I am Monique Dusan. And I am Kevin Briggins, and I am so excited about this episode because this is one that I've been wanting to do. And it is a topic that I think is going to uh, get a lot of people excited and, and interested and start some very, very unique conversations. So um, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to talk about today and introduce our, our official family off-code guest. Yes, he's the first guest that's been on twice. I'm so excited. Okay, so today we are going to talk with Virgil Walker. I usually refer to him as Uncle Virgil. Um, he was just in Uncle Tom 2. And Virgil holds a special place in my heart because when I was in CRT, Kevin, I don't even know if you know this, but when I was in CRT, Krista gave me the hoodwink and bamboozle and would have me listen to Just Thinking Podcast. And I'd be like, what is this? And she was like, no, listen, like, just listen to them. Like, they're black. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> you should know. And she would be like, no, they are. And then she would like, and we'd be like going for like drives. Like we drive her to work or to the store or Sometimes just like, I don't know where we going, but you're going to make sure I listen to this whole podcast, huh? Mm-hmm. Virgil Walker, Daryl Harrison, um, Vody Bacham, those three were the ones that showed me that you can be Black and you can have a different worldview outside of the, de- the Democratic Party and outside of just the entire leftist narrative that just because I bear black skin and I have, you know, this lovely melanin does not mean that I have to subscribe to all of these other beliefs, nor does it mean that I'm a victim. Mm -hmm. You know, man. That's big. That's big. You know? Yeah. So why don't you bring Uncle Virgil on so we can. Let's do it. He's, he didn't even know he had a niece, okay? <laughs> but, it, but here I am. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Hello. Man, I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be, go ahead and be honest. Man, we clapped okay. when we saw you. We were like, oh, here he come. Because we could hear your voice, I think, before you yeah. popped on the screen. We were, man, right. man, Crystal was like, okay, here it is. Here he is. Yes. <laughs> So congratulations and job well done. Thank you oh, for, wow. man, sticking your neck out. Because I was like, oh, oh, Uncle Tom Tudor went all the way off code. Like me and Kevin about to get yeah. canceled and we wasn't even in it. So, yeah. 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 It was a, um, they, well, first of all, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm always excited when, when you send me a text or an email and, and, and invite me to come on. Uh, so it's a joy to be to be with you both. I had a great time the last time we connected and uh, looking forward to a great conversation this time around as well. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Kevin, what, what you going to say? What say you? Man, I'm ready to get into it because, man, that doc, I've watched it twice. And so yeah. I'm, I'm just ready to get into it because it's, yeah, it, it was heavy. Yeah. I want to say this before we even do anything else. 
if you would like to watch Uncle Tom 2, and you really need to, because there's a lot of information that most Americans do not know. I don't care if you're white, black, whatever. There's a lot of information that's brought forward in the documentary that people just don't know about our history um, and about a lot that's happening in our current culture. So you can go to SalemNow.com or you can Google Salem Media and you will find um, the links to Uncle Tom 2. You can also um, use the promo code UT2VW and you'll get a certain percentage off. For me, when I when I use that code, it, it allowed me to buy the, um, the documentary for the same price that I would rent it normally. Oh, so okay. it was a significant discount. It's like 20 or 30% off. And mm-hmm. so you can actually buy it, have it to look at as a resource instead of just renting it for a few days. But Salem Media or SalemNow.com and the promo code is UT2, as in Uncle Tom 2, UT2VW. All right. And that is Virgil Walker's own promo code. All right. Yeah. housekeeping is done we got to make sure that we take care of y'all that y'all you know know how to get to the stuff let's jump in kevin you gonna kick it off um sure man um i think the best way to kick it off is the way the documentary kicks it off okay. and, and he talks about the purpose of the documentary is to remove the blinders yeah. you know can yeah. can you kind of elaborate on on that? What does he what does he mean by remove the blinders? Yeah, well, I, I'm during I, I was a big fan of the first Uncle Tom movie, and so got a chance to watch it, saw it, was really impressed by it. Um, did not have a clue that I would ever be in Uncle Tom too. I was actually down in Florida at a conference down there. Vody uh, was was coming to town. And so we, we had an opportunity to work with him, and there was a camera crew alongside him. And I'm thinking, I mean, I, I know Vody's big time, but I and uh, come come to find out, it was it was uh, Chad Jackson and and the uh, the other producers of of Uncle Tom too. Uh, now, initially, when uh, when they were telling us about it, Chad had met had met knew us from kind of kind of what. You know what, what what you were sharing, Mo, with regard to um, uh, the Just Thinking podcast. So he was excited that we were there, and and immediately just asked if if he could interview Daryl and me. And we were absolutely like, yeah. You know, once we understood the the documentary, kind of the direction he was going, we were like, absolutely, we we would love to do that. Um, initially, what they had told us uh, was this was more about Chad Jackson's journey, the main character, his journey. Um, and and it's the process I think of um, you know of coming to terms with uh, with where he was ideologically from a political perspective. So as as Moise, you mentioned, you know the idea that if, if you're black, you're Democrat. I mean, it was it was Joe Biden who said if you had to think about whether or not to vote for him, you ain't black, right? Well, we'll say something like that had everything to do with the fact that we vote blacks vote to, to the to the tune of about ninety to ninety eight percent. Uh, democratic uh, during during the course of an election cycle, so he felt very comfortable in, in saying the, the, making those kinds of statements. So here, Jackson had walked away from this ideological tribalism uh, in the way of, of you know the Democratic Party, Democratic thinking to come into conservatism. You know, a, a lot like some you know some of the folks that we see who are very popular now, the, the Candace Owens of the world, and and, and others who have, have have kind of started this process. 
of coming into, into uh, Republics. One of the things that Chad mentioned was that he began to understand that this had more to do, th- 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 there was more to this transition than just a political ideology. There was something to this. And so he began to do a study and research, ran into Bodhi us, and, and began, you know, kind of putting some pieces together. Um, initially, this was going to be more of a kind of pop culture um, uh, kind of approach to, okay, there were these folks that are called Uncle Tom in the uh, in the political world, and then there are these Uncle Toms who are in the, the religious world, and so it's going to be a one-two. Well, by the time he wrapped and did all of his research, uh, he, he, we continued to have conversation. He would call me from time to time. We would talk. He said, bro, this is going to be something very different. I need to send you uh, – movie and so I got to watch it kind of raw and uncut I called him back immediately and I said bro you know I remember what you told me I remember you know where this was going but but I think Houston we have a problem and uh, he said what do you mean and I said this is so different from the first installment that if you don't warn your audiences uh, your audience as to what they're going to experience uh, there may be an absolute disconnect and he and he immediately got it I, I, one of the things I referenced to him is I said, I said, you, 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 you're familiar with just thinking and our podcast and how we'll do a two hour, three hour podcast. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just nonstop until we, until we endlessly address all of the details of the, of the topic of the subject matter that we're taking on. I said, this is a video version of that. Like, like you, you went everywhere, you unpacked everything. And, and this is something that, that an audience will have to use as a reference tool rather than just a movie that they're entertained by, had a feel-good moment, and left. Uh, this is something that, that folks are going to need to revisit because what it does is, is it resets revisionist history. So history has been revised. We've, we've, we've adopted this, this narrative about Black culture, uh, and, and we're operating on that basis. Uh, what it does is it, back to, back to the initial question, it takes off. And it walks you back to the beginning of, of, of history and shows you ideologically, spiritually, economically, socially, politically, how we got from where we were from the beginning to where we are today. And, and there's, there's not a movie out there currently that's, that's like this one. Yeah, that's, that's good. And um, what got me, because he talked about removing the blinders, and he also mentioned the bitterness and the anger that he wanted to remove people from. Um, One thing early in the film that jumped out to me was the little girl they highlighted and and her anger as she's protesting. She was a little girl Mm -hmm. and there was so much anger and emotion in her. And she was saying no justice, no peace. And the reality is what does that seven-year-old even know? But yet she's already filled with anger about something. You know, and that's what really jumped yeah. out to me. And that's what I've witnessed in our culture. It's just this, yeah. this sense of anger that people have, you know. Yeah. Um, Mo, are you, are you, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, when, when Chad was talking about, you know, take, hoping to, to bring people out like from under this spell and that the blinders yeah. would be off and things like that. It is, it's so important to understand specifically what he's talking about. And, you know, I think the way that you put it is 
understanding that we are, you know, being taught a revisionist history. And Candace Owens in Uncle Tom One really speaks to this like deeply in that um, I think she said, because I just watched it last night, you know, if you get a high school student who is a 4.0 honor student, they are actively being taught a wrong history. I was like, man, that's so deep. And so looking at um, Chad's, you know, strong opening of, you know, bringing people out from under this spell. And this spell is, you know, what I was hearing was just this, what the thing that's making people angry. It's almost like a Kool-Aid that people are drinking that is creating within them this anger, this division, the separation between, you know, a community, which I'm sure we will get all the way down to. But before we go all the way down there, I actually want to back us up a little bit and talk about um, what is an Uncle Tom for anybody who wouldn't know or how did the name even come about? Like, let's let's kind of piece that through for people and then continue on. Uncle Tom comes from Uncle Tom's Cabin. It's a, you know, it's a book written a long time ago by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, she was an abolitionist and, uh, you know, back, back during, during the days of, of slavery and uh, had written about the treatment of uh, She had written this, this uh, book that had the character, the main character uh, was Uncle Tom. And so it really took a, a journey of his life uh, as a slave, uh, where initially he got treated well and then he was sold. Uh, you follow his story through a process of being sold, of being separated from family, connected from everything that, that he knows. Uh, and, and, and then it even even goes to where a what, where he was promised not to be sold off, uh, but he sold off to a very hateful uh, slave owner who, who just beats him. Uh, he had, he's a, a man of faith uh, about his commitment. His faith commitment and 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 really at times begins to get, begins to pray to God to to maintain uh, the faith uh, as he undergoes some very difficult times uh, under under the you know under the the t- of, uh, of of what he's dealing with in uh, being enslaved. Um, the slave owner wants to beat the the um, uh, his faith from him. Uh, you know there are there are folks there in the storyline who uh, who leave uh, escape. Uh, he won't give them up, uh, but you know he's 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 going to everything that he's supposed to do based upon his faith and and uh, the slave the, the, the slave eventually the final scene is uh, Tom actually loses his life, uh, but he he's the hero of the story in that even while his slave master is beating him to death, uh, he's proclaiming the message of the gospel uh, in the hope that salvation would come. Uh, not only to the slave owner, but to everyone who hears him. And, and even after his death, there are those who uh, are transformed and changed uh, by the power of the gospel, the commitment that he has to faith. Uh, and, 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 and as they as they travel by his cabin where he was where he actually was uh, at, in slave quarters, uh, they're reminded of his faith. And, and many, many turn to Christ as a result. Uh, Uncle Tom was a Christ like figure. Um, in that he suffered, he bled, he died, and he sacrificed his life uh, for the sake of others. Now, you know, again, this is this is this is a this is this is a uh, the, the idea of kind of kind of typifying. This is not he was Christ. I didn't, you know, this is this is kind of the the, the idea behind uh, behind the story. This this um, novel had had massive cultural imp- impact uh, on the way that people at the time, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, saw differently or thought differently uh, about blacks. 
the, the abolitionists who would come along and, and really push the uh, push the idea that, that the blacks were indeed human beings, uh, creating the image of God. That that was their that was their whole motivation. Uh, they had a faith uh, in God, and 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 uh, and Harriet Beecher Stowe was 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 uh, was 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 typical of of those abolitionists, and so uh, had a massive cultural impact at the time back in the day. Uh, Uncle Tom was seen as a as a as a noble character, uh, as someone who who um, you know a had Christian faith, moral ethic, uh, and and was a and was a good human being. And and it it would only be over time uh, that the idea of an Uncle Tom was someone who uh, sold out, right? Someone who uh, was is subservient to whites, uh, someone who you know won't stand up for himself, and and that's not at all. Uh, and he actually had greater strength uh, in that his faith was in, in God, um, and he knew that 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 his ultimate uh, life trajectory was was on the basis of the providence and sovereignty of God. But my question is, so how did Uncle Tom, the the person who you know is the hero in the story, who didn't give up the information on people on you know, the runaway slaves and things like that and was beaten to death, how did he get to be the person who is most associated with? whiteness or like white privilege using your voice for whiteness right i i think i think it like like most things in culture there's a there's a very uh about things there's a there's the idea you know that that, that anything that that is is christian uh has a christian ethic depends upon god and isn't and isn't fighting the powers uh it is not it's not really blackness right and it traces that uh, when it when it talks about you know the, the difference between you know with W W B Du Bois and and you know other other aspects uh, of the movie so so I think I think what you get in the you know in the uh, you know early early 1900s uh, is this different idea uh, a revisionist history that goes back and looks at characters like Uncle Tom and sees him and and other other aspects of culture as as sellouts uh, because they weren't militant and and willing to fight the powers that be. Mm. Kevin, you going to go? Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that, I mean, that's kind of the playbook, right? You kind of demonize anybody or any ideology that doesn't go along with the revolution, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the documentary is getting at, really. You know, it doesn't have to be accurate. It's simply, I mean, Booker T. Washington should be um, revered in our history and our culture. Right. Instead, he, he's not, and he was deemed the Uncle Tom of his day. Right. 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 And so right. it's really just a backwards message. And the people that we look up to a lot are not the people that we really should be. And I think the documentary does a good job of pointing that out. Yes. Yes. I just want to, um, and y'all can add your own terms in, but to give more, um, of definition of when people like will call because I'm sure all of us have been called Uncle Tom's at some point in the recent future. I mean, the recent, you know, yeah, past. yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But the Uncle Tom is the person who doesn't go along with the black, you know, militant motif. They don't. Um, they're not always angry. They may s speak proper. Um, often accused of, you know, just propping up white people. Or they, they don't go along with the leftist narrative, as I mentioned before. Right. They may, right. um, you know, appreciate capitalism mm -hmm. and are, you know, a part of the socialist narrative. What, what am I missing? No, I think you hit it. I would just point to the kind of the W.E.B. Du Bois 
kind of message towards Booker, um, Booker T. Washington of if you're not a part of the movement, it's this notion that some kind of way you're letting white people off the hook, mm -hmm. right? So right. even though Booker T. Washington was all about the empowerment of black people, yes, because he wasn't pushing this revolutionary type of thing towards um, inclusion, I guess you can call it today, you know, he was deemed as letting white people off the hook, no matter how positive or how well his message was for black people in general. If he wasn't yeah. for the revolution, then you're, you're just an Uncle Tom. And I think mm -hmm. that's yeah. that's kind of how we got it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 pro the problem with that is what it does is it, it separates uh, our, our validation now comes from fighting the white man. Uh, our, our validation as human beings, creating the image of God in, in the word of God um, and, and in the power of God, it rests and resides in whether or not white people think I'm equal. Uh, it rests and resides in whether or not government treats me as equal. Uh, most blacks uh, that were part of, 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 the, you know, of the culture of that day could care less. You know, really, truth be told, most of them just want to be left alone. Uh, because given given the nature of, of the country, the capitalist society in which we live, uh, they they could they could enjoy prosperity. Uh, they could enjoy you know wealth. They could enjoy uh, taking care of their family, taking care of their own. And uh, they, they, there was really no there was really no need for anger and and, and the fighting of the power. So long as uh, as as a people, they were left alone. And 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 that's what that's what people like Booker T. Washington. And, and others really wanted to see for us and wanted us to be investing and doing our own uh, kinds of things based upon the, uh, the, the, the tools that were provided uh, during, during that time. So that, that was at, at issue. That, those were the things that were at odds. Is our, do, do we get our validation as a person from government uh, or, do, or do we reside in or rest in the fact that, that who we are as, as human beings created in the image of God is, is on the basis of, of what God has declared? Hmm. Mm. That's good. You know, one of the things that um, I thought the film highlighted so well was the, like the dichotomy between, I think who we think we are today and, and like emphasizing who we think we are versus who we truly were, you know, at, at one point in history. And so looking back at history and looking at the, 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 you know, years right after the Civil War and realizing how many Black legislators there were, how many people served in Congress, what party they belonged to. And we, we've hit on this, um, you know, in an, ep an episode called The Black Vote. But just realizing that there were like over 300 people in legislative office right after the civil war people don't realize that um right the institution and, and many and many of them Crow. many of them Go ahead. many of them from many of them from my own my, my, my current state in georgia right many, many of them many of them were state legislators right here in the state of georgia you know which which most people think is is, is of, of the south and so uh it, it happened right you know right here mm -hmm. yeah. and so I, th I thought it was interesting to see some of that history, to look at, um, you know, where Jim Crow really came from and what, you know, who was the, the party that introduced Jim Crow, even looking at Black Wall Street. I even didn't realize that Black Wall Street, after it happened, had then been built Come back on. up. You know, no one talks about they, they talk about the atrocity. And I do agree. Right. Black Wall Street was an atrocity. It was a massacre. And, right. you know, it. It didn't stay that way. 
we were definitely a people who came back. But then you it fast forwards and looks at where are we today? And it talks about single men, married men. It doesn't matter where you are kind of on the spectrum of man. Many of them are out on the street, you know, stabbing, killing each other. And it looks at like, it just goes into this different world of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like how, how we process the world as a people today or many of us and and maybe it's not you know all of us and things like that but what what i found interesting in looking at those two different eras of time is how Vodi called what we're sitting in today a new religion yes and i was like man at, at one point we were deeply ingrained in christianity and now we're deeply ingrained in a new worldview or a new religion and so I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, if you feel comfortable kind of commenting on some of Vodi's thoughts about this new religion and what are your thoughts about um, this new religion? What is it and how are people participating with it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I think a lot of things that led led to the, the idea of, of it being a new religion and much of it has to do with the ideological foundation. Um, and, and Vodi talks about it in the movie, how, you know, it, it begins with Marx, Marxism, um, it begins with, the, and you guys have talked about this, you know, I, 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 I've listened to you walk through, you know, the, the, the Marxist origins of, of, of division, of, of dividing people into the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, dividing people into the, in, into the oppressed and the oppressor classes, all in an effort uh, to, to, to see uh, socialism, or, uh, yeah, to see socialism uh, put into place and to see capitalism uh, overthrown, and, and the way that that the way that, that that works is by creating anger and rage and uh, and division uh, among among groups of people. And 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 again, you you had this from a you had this from a a an economic ideological framework, which was Marxism, uh, only to have it enter kind of sociocultural um, lanes uh, as as you get the, you know the, the Frankfurt School here in, in in America. And so as you watch this thing unfold, you have in the 1920s, 1910s, uh, uh, early 1900s, uh, you have Walter Rauschenbusch, right, in the social gospel that enters and permeates a people that are that are religious. And the way that this godless ideology permeates people who are religious is that a religious framework has to be put into place. And the way that that framework was put into place, particularly for blacks, is, again, Walter Rauschenbusch uh, comes along and gives us the social gospel. He's, he's there in America at a time uh, when immigration is taking place, right mindset, which is, uh, you know, people who are coming over are being uh, subjugated, are, are, not, are not being well taken care of, are in poor working conditions. And so he's advocating the idea that if we're Christian followers, if we're believers in Christ, that we need to do, we need to do, we need to help others who come in do better. At the end of the day, all of that's that's not the primary point of the gospel. Rather than seeing that the primary point of the gospel is the salvation for souls, Walter Rauschenbusch thought, no, the, the primary motivation of the gospel is this is the saving of society. And so, rather than seeing society uh, impacted by the power of the gospel as it transforms the hearts of individuals, and those individuals are moved to do something for others, his idea was that if we transform the culture, if we transform society then uh, th- that, that message will permeate in such a way that others will be impacted by it. So he, he, he took the gospel and inverted it. And, and, the, and the inversion of the truth is always, the, is always the, the direction that Satan takes. 
from from Walter Rauschenbusch, you have men like Gustavo Gutierrez, uh, who would do, who would do the same thing in in South America, uh, with the impact of of really the the, the Marxist ideology of liberation theology uh, that would permeate uh, the Southern culture, uh, S- South America. And then again, you guys know this well. James Cone would come along and put a, a framework where. He would take the lens of, of American, uh, of, of primarily, you know, the, the slave narrative, uh, the, the, the historic uh, narrative of slavery in, in America, put that lens on and then examine the scriptures through that lens. So rather than exegesis of scripture, he had eisegesis of scripture. The time frame that, that we were in, again, this is right after this, right after the civil rights movement, uh, that began to take root with with a people who were ready to become militant uh, about about seeing change take place after the death of Martin Luther King. We could talk about King and his impact with civil rights and how that was a departure actually from the Christian faith uh, that, that that we have and hold. Again, what it did was it what was what King did was he he would point to government validating who we were. The, the idea was that, that, the, that the rights that we, that we deem so dear were not inalienable rights given to us by God, but that were a necessary part of government uh, to, to provide for us in a free uh, and just society. And, so, and it, all, all that said was Bush, uh, people like Gustavo Gutierrez, uh, people like James Cone, and even the civil rights leadership, what they provided that Marxism did not have prior to this happening was that they, they provided a theological framework by which this godless ideology could, could establish itself. And then blacks hearing that began to think that what, what religion needed or what was necessary for, for religion to have its impact was it needed to have a societal and governmental component to it. So all of our civil rights leaders, where do they come from? They come from the church, right? All of, all of, all of black cultures, voices where do they come from the church and, and and they're and they're in the market square again I, I i would i would dare someone find for me a sermon of, of martin luther king where he actually preached the gospel start to finish period you you would be hard pressed to find one because that was not his motivation I was influenced by Rauschenbusch. He, he read those words. And so his idea of salvation was to bring forth a, a, a utopian vision of America that, that, that he had. Now, th- there were a lot of things that he got right. And there were a lot of aspects of Christian verbiage and culture used in an effort to provide him platform. Uh, but it, but it, was not, it was not the purity of the gospel that he was promoting. And there were influences uh, that, that, that surrounded that. Anyway, you asked how we got here. How did this happen? The, 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 that, that's the trajectory. That's where it came from. Yeah, man, that's that's really good. Um, along those lines, one of the things I thought the movie did a good job of doing is showing, and it mentions, right? So we move from this Christian, Judeo, Judeo-Christian values type of culture and community to something else. And that something else is kind of what um, he's trying to free people from. That's, that something else is what has caused the anger. And for me, it it really hit home because one thing I've wrestled with is there's so much anger today, especially with young people who did not even experience the things of history, but yet there's so much anger. And I compare it to my grandparents who went through this, but yet did not have that anger. And I never could understand why the people who actually went through these things 
who were sharecroppers, who actually came out of you know slavery in a lot of instances, did not have that same rage and anger, but yet people decades later have it. And it really does, it really does um, make sense as to, you know, going from a, because I know my grandparents were very deeply Christian and they had a very different outlook on things and a very different outlook on kind of God's sovereignty and a different outlook on forgiveness and justice, um, as opposed to the current generation that is screaming, no justice, no peace. And I think that what this documentary does, it does a good job of showing how we transition from one ideology to the other. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, What are your thoughts on kind of what they point out in the film of the Marxist influence behind the, the movement in general? Yeah, no, I man, I I totally agree. I, I I love what you said about previous generations. I've really spent a lot of time with with, with older folk, uh, go, going to grandmama's house and, and sitting down and having her tell stories about what happened back in the day and uh, and, and her sharing that. And they didn't they didn't have the anger. And I think a part of that has to that there was not this there was ide, there, there was not this um, idolatry of ethnicity, right? Um, what what current culture has done is we have melanin right we bow down to it and worship it and so when worship melanin uh when you worship skin color when you worship your ethnicity when you worship race anything that you view as as an affront to your idol you're going to be angry about right uh whereas black folks who held a judeo-christian worldview back in the day the nature of sin and understood that sin was systemic meaning that it impacted whites and blacks, uh, that in the same way that we saw evil in, in a culture uh, of, of white folks who were doing wicked things, we also understood very well to examine our own hearts, what we would find is the same evil that would condemn both of us in the eyes of a holy God. Uh, the result is we all needed a savior. So that, that, that gospel message was clear uh, in, in historically for black folks. What we did was, uh, the, the movement, Marxism, you call it Marxism, uh, you, you can call it critical race theory, which is what, what's happening today. Uh, it, what it does is it, it, it idolizes uh, a, 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 a tertiary issue, right? I mean, it, 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 we, we, make, we make a God out of skin color. Uh, and as a result of that, we bow down to God. And, and, and any, any impact that we see any affront to the to that God, uh, we're we're going to fight. And if you can keep black folk angry to the degree that that they're just emotional about anything, you can say near about anything and have them respond in the manner in which it. Uh, government knows that well, don't they? I mean, every four years, there's you know somebody's going to put you in chains, or 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 you need reparations, or or there's some trigger thing that they leverage in an effort to to stir up the hostility and anger, rather than uh, black folk understanding that there's no handout that that government can afford you uh, that's going to provide for you the, the dignity uh, that God has already given you uh, in the fact that he's created you in his image and likeness and and government is not god and so if you believe in god if you believe in a god who's who's all powerful all loving uh following him should indeed result 
uh, in a life that is blessed, regardless of the, of the economic scale that you obtain. But, but again, more times than not, what we see not only in personally, but, but, but also within, within, our, within our culture, uh, is that following God is, 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 leads to a prosperous life. I'm not talking prosperity gospel. Uh, I mean, an overall healthy lifestyle, right? It, wouldn't, it, it definitely wouldn't afford, uh, wouldn't, it wouldn't put us in a situation where 71% of our babies are, are being born out of wedlock. It definitely wouldn't put us in a situation where only 25% of black women actually marry in their lifetime. Uh, it definitely wouldn't put us in a situation where from an, uh, from a, uh, an education, uh, we, we have poorer numbers now, today, than we actually did in the 1870s to the 1950s, students demically poorer in, uh, from, from uh, 1965 to our current day than they were in 1870 to 1950. I mean, it's on, on every scale, uh, we're failing. Uh, and and if, if the measure of separating ourselves from God is any of, 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 of our failure, uh, what we see around us should indicate that, and we should go back to a Judeo-Christian worldview. Man, I I so agree. And, you know, as I was listening to you speak, the only thing that like kept kind of ringing in my head is that to a degree, when you, and I don't even want to say when, when you idolize something, but being specific about the idolization of skin color, that idolization to me has kind of like led to a bastardization of true Christianity. It's, it's, it's turned it, it it's, brought it from what it was way up here to this lower thing where our skin color is now even higher than our Christianity. I am no longer a Christian yep. who happens to be black, but I'm a black right. Christian. Right. Christian. And right. this, this bastardization is, is it, Christianity then becomes the stepchild. It then becomes a thing that we may want or we can get rid of. It, it, it's it's a la carteanity. What what ends up happening as a result of that, and you saw that very clearly uh, after the Dobbs decision, right? You had you had men, black men, jumping in the pulpits, saying some of the most crazy things, advocating on the Lord's Day uh, positions that are completely contrary to Christian worldview. Uh, you had men like Jamal uh, Jamal Bryant uh, uh, stepping into his pulpit uh, at. at what is it? It's a it's a missionary Baptist church. It's it's a it's new it's new birth. Get this, it is new birth missionary Baptist church. New birth. He steps into the pulpit only to declare that there's a war on women now that that the Dobbs decision has passed and that abortion uh, on demand is no longer the federal law of the land. Now it's moved to the states and it's not a it's not totally abolished. We have a lot a lot of work to do. But he stepped in the pulpit on that day at new birth uh, in an effort to advocate for women's right to abort their babies. Uh, a, a woman's right to choose, and so that's what he was advocating for. I mean, of, of all the, I mean, you go back to you go back you go back to uh, the Margaret Sanger's Negro Project uh, when she when she could when she convinced black folk, black pastors in particular, to go in and talk about you know to to, to advocate for the idea of, of minimizing the number of babies that they had to begin with, right? And then only later to circle back and add for full-on abortion, having Martin Luther King win the, Mar win, win the first Margaret Sanger Award with his name on it. Um, you, you have current day, uh, you know, J uh, J Jamal Bryant uh, doing his thing uh, in, in, in pulpits and, and other pastors uh, who have been feminized uh, and, and have, have bought off on, on the feminization uh, of, of, of not 
American culture, but particularly black culture, the predominant uh, uh, gender in the auditorium are women. Also, these, uh, you know, uh, black churches are, are stocked full of women. The, 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 men, the men are absolutely absent, and, it, and it's only a handful of men that are actually there. And those who are there are advocating for positions that are antithetical, not only to Christian worldview, but, but are detriment, are a physical detriment to black children being born. And that's what they're advocating. Man, that's so good. That it, I mean, yeah. it, it's so true. And I just don't know how many times we're connecting all of these dots. You know, I don't know how many times people are actually sitting down and thinking about, you know, the Raphael Warnock or the Jamal um, Bryant or, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all even highlighted Eric Mason. When I saw Eric Mason, I was like, ooh, we all... Somebody about to call me a coon. I know I'm gonna get a letter. I wasn't even into that. And somebody about to send me a letter. I know it. But we have black pastors and leaders who advocate for things that people we would have never advocated for in 1920, 1930. No. We would have never no. advocated for even after the burning of Black Wall Street. It's only right. after the civil rights era then you see this this advocacy for things like, you know, feminism or like black feminism and um you know, black liberation theology and the welfare state and like all of these things that come into the black community and then completely just decimate the black community. Yeah. Now you have hit on MLK a couple times and I've been sitting here like, Ooh, is we going down the MLK route? Cause see, I feel like, mm, 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 mm. but y'all sure didn't. So you said y'all can ask me about MLK. So I'm going to go ahead and follow up. Absolutely. I think that as a nation, we idolize MLK. And I I know I grew up idolizing MLK. There was nobody better than MLK. If I went to my grandmother's church, it was Jesus and MLK. And you know what I mean? So and every once in a while, it was, um, what was that one president's name? Um, He was one of the Kennedys. Every once in a while. Uh John F. Kennedy. Yeah. yeah, So you have. And you have Bobby Kennedy as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Every once in a while you get you get like a white person over here, but usually it was yep. Jesus and Jesus with yep. the perm, you know, and all that. <laughs> and um, Martin Luther King, where do you think we've gone wrong in our thinking about MLK? I had no idea that he didn't believe in all of the things that were Christian, um, like yeah. the atonement and all of that. I had no idea. But um, what are what are some of our like wrong ways of thinking about him and why. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you go back and just do do the research, I mean, you could you could literally Google it uh, and and identify uh, his papers uh, that were written during the during his uh, days of seminary uh, and find that you know not only was was he not an advocate of the atonement, uh, he wasn't sure that Jesus Christ was God. Uh, he definitely you know didn't didn't hold uh, to those positions. There were there were a number of unorthodox positions. Uh, that he held to. And like I said, I would dare anyone to go try to find me a, a sermon uh, that he preached that that really proclaimed the, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. I think you have a difficult time uh, trying to do that. And and uh, there was a, a article right after the Dobbs decision that I wrote for G3 Ministries, uh, and it was a, a letter to black pastors. Um, and if you go back and, and even do the research on that, what you'll find uh, it, with regard to MLK, what you'll find uh, is that, you know, A, he did receive the Margaret Sanger Award. It was the first of its kind. I actually pulled it up so that I could read to you what, what was written on that award. Now, what revisionists have tried to go do 
uh, is they try to say, well, you know, two things. One, MLK didn't know about the issue of abortion uh, at the time, and, and he absolutely did. It was no mystery to him what, what was being advocated. Uh, secondly, if you, go, if you go back and look up uh, and read uh, he did. He, he was unavailable to be at the event where he was given the award, so his wife went instead. Uh, and if you go, if you go back and read her what, what she was given to read as a speech, uh, what she said was that she understood uh, that that women having babies was was problematic and and detrimental to and, and there's the exchange was detrimental to financial advancement of black people. So the idea was children. That diminishes our opportunity to obtain wealth. And what we want is wealth. And so as a result, that was the trade-off. And so, but, but you're hearing the same kinds of arguments being given today, right? Um, you, you have, uh, you, you, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Raphael Warnock, um, the, the idea that most, uh, you, you got in, in our state, Stacey Abrams, most of them are advocating for the, the, the right for women to abide because they want them to be able to have opportunity. So they're willing to murder a child in the womb for the purpose of, of they're willing to sacrifice that child on the altar of convenience, right? Uh, they, they, they want to have a convenient life. They want to, they, they want to be their dreams. Uh, and, and so again, no, the, the, the total abdication of any is, is, is there in that, in that messaging. I want to, I want to get back to King because I, I, uh, in, in the piece that I wrote, uh, a letter to, I actually wrote, actually uh, had in the article what was inscribed on Martin Luther King's, uh, award and here's here's what it reads. It was given on May fifth, nineteen sixty six, uh, and these are the words that are written on that award. It says this quote: facing jail, abuse, and Dr. King's unceasing efforts on behalf of all Americans to win freedom for the Negro people parallel closely. Listen to what I'm saying. Parallel closely to Margaret Sanger's fight over the last half century, emancipation of women. Listen, listen to what she says next. For the emancipation of women from the burdens of perpetual childbearing and the emancipation of children from a future of poverty and hopelessness, end quote. That is written on the Margaret Sanger Award. Now, think about what's being said here. The idea here is that he, she, 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 he's freeing black folk from the issues of, of racism, segregation, that and she's freeing women from the burdens of childbearing and the emancipation of children from a future of poverty and hopelessness. Well, how do we emancipate children from a future of poverty and hopelessness? Well, one of two ways, either A, we don't have them, or B, we kill them. That's how that happens. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how that happens. And so it, it wasn't unclear to King, uh, nor to any of the men who, who, who connected with Margaret Sanger's Negro Project, uh, what she was advocating, she was about she got jailed oftentimes for because at the time it was illegal um and so again you know we can we can pretend we can rewrite history we can but but the reality is it's very clear uh it's, it's understandable and and the and the same message that was happening then is that i live i live i live here in georgia it's the same messaging that that i see on the on the uh on the commercial breaks uh with with stacy abrams you know, or, or with or with Raphael Warnock, he's supposed to be a reverend and a pastor. He, it, 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 interestingly enough, he, he pastors uh, the same church that Dr. Martin Luther King actually came from. So there's no there's no there's no difference ideologically from where King was to where Warnock is today. Mm. 
that's yeah, that's that's really important to point out. And I'm I'm glad you went there because I was going to bring it up that you know the documentary does a good job of pointing out and showing how you know these these influencers came in to influence the black community and how do how do they do it? And you brought up Margaret Sanger, right? It's a, it's the same playbook. We are a very religious people. We were heavily in the church. The way you influence the black community is you get to the pastors and they got to the pastors. They sold this vision of, you know, this revolution, this fight for justice to these pastors who then pushed it down to everyone else. Right. Right. And we are seeing the result of that. You know, we talk about the breakdown of the family, but it started with the breakdown of the gospel in the church, because once we once we stop preaching the gospel, once it stopped being about evangelism and discipleship, and it started being about politics and what the government right. owed us from the pulpit, we were t- we were completely lost. And now uh, you you're have absolutely this, right. Yeah, and now we have this culture that has evolved out of this this struggle that has been created because we lost our values. We, yeah, we're we, absolutely we, right. We lost our worldview. We lost with anchor. And the one thing I really enjoyed about the documentary, I know we've pointed a lot of things that are kind of negative, but the one thing I enjoyed was the old pictures from the black community and the black culture. Man, those hit home because they reminded me so much of a time where I grew up young in the black church. And, you know, everybody, you know, he talked about how everybody walking to church and things like that. That was commonplace within the community. Yeah. You know, and that seemed like a long distance, far away type of thing now, because now it's simply all social justice from the pulpit and and pushing the line from, you know, the Democrat Party. And um, and 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 if we go back and look where did things change, things change at the time of the civil rights movement and the black community has had a decline ever since then. Ever since. And so, yep. Yeah. And so yep. we won politically. We won our civil rights. But what did we lose? What did we give up to get it? Yeah. And that's yeah. what this documentary really points out. And that's why I appreciate that. I mean, they're willing to say it because yeah. the, the civil rights movement and those figures are untouchable. You know, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to say these things. Right. You know, and um, yeah, I, I, so I appreciate you going there because that's exactly where I want it to go is the fact that every single time they get to the pastors who push it on us, you yep. know? So. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I, you know, I, I, I identified three, three reasons why this happens in, uh, in church culture. One is, is financial, uh, financial gain. Those pastors who do that and partner with white liberals, there's a financial component uh, that they benefit. Was the case with Sanger. That's the case. Uh, even our day. In fact, a current current day uh, example of that I mean, it, it, it's, it's historic. Uh, but 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 one one of the first uh, shakedown artists uh, was Je- was Jesse Jackson. Uh, in, in in 1977, Jesse Jackson actually said this when when he was uh, a, a quote unquote pastor. He said this, and this was this was this was a good thing that he said. But but watch how it changes, and watch what changes it. In 1977, uh, a, a pro life Jesse Jackson actually said this. He said, "quote." The advocates uh, that, uh, of taking life, the advocates of taking life prior to birth uh, do not call it killing or murder. They call it abortion. Uh, they further never talk about aborting a baby because that would imply something human. 
Rather, they talk about aborting a fetus. Fetus sounds less than human, therefore can be justified, end quote. Now, that's Jesse Jackson, 1977. Ten years later, 11 years later, when he's the uh, when he is the uh, nominee or, or he, he's, he's vying to be the nominee for the for the Democratic Party for president for the president, what happens? Money, power and opportunity changes his tune. So he abandons biblical worldview. And he says this in 1988. He says, quote, women must have the freedom of choice over what they do with their bodies. End quote. Same, same man, different situation more money, more power, and the opportunity causes him to abandon. I mean, this is Judas, right? This is, this is, this is, this is Judas. Uh, this is, this is, give me, give me some silver and, and, and I'll, and I'll, I'll change my tune uh, at, for, for the purpose of political advantage, sold uh, to Satan uh, for the purpose of, of opportunity. And, and many of those pastors were willing to do the exact same thing, uh, knowing and recognizing uh, that, that, that children are a gift from God, but, but they listen to a woman who, who told her that, that, no, you need to abandon children for the purpose of this money. Uh, and and that's, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. That's, yeah, it, it's so clear. One of the things that, um, that, gosh, well, first of all, the thing it made me think of was, Kevin, you was walking to Sunday school? Sunday mornings, I was out riding my bike. So, <laughs> so I was like, go ahead, go my, ahead, Kevin. My, my earliest memory is, you know, four or five years old, we lived in the projects and we lived just a few blocks away from the church. And a lot of people in that community went to the same church and we would walk the church. And yeah. so it was a big, it was the black community used to be so whole, right? It's yeah. just, it was to be complete. Yeah. As I, and I'm talking about the projects. This wasn't, you know, and so it used to be so different from where we are today, right? And so, um, yeah, and so, yeah, that, that what was in that those videos just reminded me of a time of hanging out at Big Mama House, going to church, family, cousins, everybody laughing, having a good time. There wasn't shooting, violence, gangs, like right. it was it was different, you know? Right. I was riding my bike, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, my, my my upbringing was a little different. Um, the second thing that, that you said, though, Kevin, was um, you know we've attained our civil rights, and yes. this is what I think is the point. A lot of points of contention is: have we obtained our civil rights? If you listen to the narrative that you hear from people like Stacey Abrams or um, Raphael Warnock or Eric Mason or even Charlie Dates to a degree, you know, it's like, have, have we, are we really a free people? Are we really some, someone or, you know, a group of people who aren't marginalized and oppressed? Yeah. I'll let Virgil answer, but yes, the the civil rights movement was successful. We won. We, it was successful. And so we, we are, we are free. We are no longer under the bondage of Jim Crow, we are no longer under the bondage of some type of systemic system that now you, we made it to the White House. I mean, that's my, when I was a, when I was younger as a kid in the barbershop, the one thing you used to always hear was America's so racist, we never be a black president. And then we have a black president elected twice. You can't, you, they have to find a way to keep the narrative going because they have to find a way to stay in power and keep the money going, right? right? They, we can't, we can't move past, and that's what the documentary is talking about. And he mentioned something. He talked about how the goal of the Marxists was to rip off, um, the to rip off old wounds and to create new ones. Mm-hmm. 
right? right? It is simply to make us angry over and over and over again. And that's what right. this documentary is trying to free people from is this anger that is not rooted in reality. This idea, this seven-year-old girl today that's, that's marching and angry as if she's some type of freedom marcher, when she is free as she can be, but her oppression is what has been taught to her, and now she's enslaved and bondage to her own limited thoughts and victimization. And someone has done that to her, and we're continuing to do it to the next generation, the next generation. So no matter how free we get from a legal standpoint, we will continuously perpetuate this narrative that we aren't. And um, I think I quoted this the last episode we recorded about the 1964 journal that I read. And there's this quote in it. And he talked about how free, it was from 1964. And he said, freedom can be granted, but equality must be achieved. We yeah. keep screaming because we feel like we don't have equality, but we do the things that hinder us from achieving it. We value the things that keep us from achieving it. We are free. The freedom is there. You can go do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want, you can go do it. But they look at this comparative to other cultures, mainly white people, and they mm -hmm. say, oh, well, we don't have what they have. Well, it's like, what have you done to try to achieve it? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and, and to, to me, that's even problematic from a standpoint of if you simply make wealth your goal, right? If wealth is simply the goal of life, you're going you're gonna to end up down, down a bad road. But, um, but if that's what you want to achieve, that's what you want to go seek, you are free to do so, right? right? And it's been shown over and over again with the number of black millionaires in this country, the quality of life. I don't know how anybody in Atlanta could say they are oppressed when you just look at the black people li living up in Buckhead. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> clearly, clearly skin color isn't the difference between success and non-success. Right. No, Usually it has to be something else because it's just no constant theme of black people, poor, white people, rich. Right. It's something else involved. And so long answer to your short question. Yes, we, we have we have freedom today. Um, the civil rights movement was successful. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. I, th I think the I think the issue is we, we've where, where the bar has moved is rather than equality, what we're what's now being sought after is equity. Yes. Uh, so, 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 so the so the issue isn't whether or not we're equal to whites. The issue is dual outcomes. Uh, do, do do we have equity? So, so when when you have people like Ibram X Kendi and others who who claim that any disparity, you know, is is yep. is a, is an issue of racism, uh, th that's how you get that angry little girl, right? She 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 can look at at, at the country and recognize well somebody has more, uh, and as a result of them having more, it, it is it is it is a, it is purposed that there's racism. Uh, involved in that, right? Uh, maybe, maybe on my part, on my on the part of my parents, there's some decisions that needed to be made uh, that that help us obtain the outcomes that that we're trying to achieve. And and even, I mean, where where this is having the largest negative impact uh, is is in the area of education, uh, where where we are where we have detrimental outcomes, and and the vast majority of it is due to single parent homes uh, and a lack of a, a lack of of willingness to study. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, the, 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 the low expectations, the, you hear the soft bigotry of low expectations for teachers uh, on the part of students. Uh, and, and again, who, who, what teacher would want to be in a classroom where a mi minority student is, is functioning or, or, or academically uh, um, and, 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 and tell them, hey, here's what you need. But what's going to be said is, well, A, she's racist. 
uh, and, and B, whatever mechanism that has that student underperforming is going to be deemed racist. So students given, students are, students are given a, an absolute pass uh, and, and are told that you know, they, they, they don't need to perform, that, that there needs to be some redress of the, of the, of the, of the uh, testing tools uh, that are given and, and students are fed uh, more victimization in the classroom. So, so what we're going to have over the course of the next decade uh, as these students who are, who are being uh, infused with CRT and, and, and intersectionality and all the things, you know, Monique, that, that you travel around and try to teach gets and talk about, uh, they're going to have a permanent underclass uh, who, who are unable to, to, to function, much less write a sentence that makes sense in, in culture. Uh, and, and, and all of that is going to be given a pass. I mean, th this... This is the most detrimental time of, of our American historic uh, narrative. I mean, this is this is a hor this is this is the most challenging time because there's no course correction. Any course correct uh, that that requires responsibility uh, that points to someone needing to do something different or make a different choice um, that that's that's seen as racist and, and that's problematic. Man, gosh, what you just said harkens me back to what I said earlier about the. Um, the idealization of a race or ethnicity results in the bastardization of Christianity. Well, I almost like that's what I hear right now is that, you know, as we continue to um, put things like critical race theory and intersectionality and equity and all of these things on the shelf, which is truly just the idealization of what I think Vody would call cultural Marxism. And I, you know, relate to that too as well. But I think it does harken back to the skin color concept. It 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 bastardizes our like our people. It 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 is a bastardization of the African American culture and what it used to be. It takes it from this strong culture, this strong place where education was done in the home. Like we you might go to school, but when you came back, wasn't nobody going to play outside until your homework was done, until parents understood that you knew the concepts. You aren't coming home with C's and D's and F's. Um, this this idea of someone just handing you something, handing you your grade, um, that that wasn't right. a thought. You were going to work hard for anything that right. you that you had, and there was such honor in that. But with that taken away, and this notion that we have to be angry, and being angry will get us the results that we want, that right. just degrades the entire culture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely does. I I totally agree, and it goes. It it really goes. It points back to what what Kevin was talking about uh, regarding this new religion. I mean, this is this, uh, and and it, it you know it, it encompasses what, what both of you are alluding to. One, what you talked about uh, from a standpoint of, of you know just the difference. Uh, we, you know what what we're doing with Christianity. It's this. It's, it, it doesn't even reflect uh, you know the Judeo Christian worldview. It doesn't reflect anything near, nearing the gospel. Uh, and then what Kevin shared earlier, you know, about this new religion, uh, it is indeed a religion and, and, and it is marching like one. It, it, you will bow down to it or be mold over, uh, be, be, be mold over. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what's, what we're beginning to see uh, in, in society and in culture. And like I said, it's, it's going to create a, a, a black uh, a permanent underclass uh, as a result of, of what's taking place. And, and if, if no one, if no one steps up to stop it, if, if no one uh, steps in to say you know no knowing that here's where we're going and no further uh, and, and at the end of the day it really results to it really it really rests up
on the, the, the mom and dad, seeing it, oopsies, voices like you guys who are out there sharing this message of hope is indeed a way forward. Uh, and it has nothing to do with all the things that culture is telling us. Do it going back to scripture, going back to the word of God. It, the, the, the word of God is sufficient to address these issues. And we have to, we have to go back and depend upon that. Amen. Amen. I will say too, I really, I highly considered uh, filing a lawsuit against this documentary because, like, I know they plagiarized me. I know that they've some kind of way heard the things that I've said because they were absolutely they were just they were, man. It was preaching because one of the reasons we started this podcast was because of kind of freeing people from that anger, right? Yes. It was it was kind of pulling the the scales back, you know. And one thing that was brought up was that this war. It's a war. First of all, as Vody says, it's not a war against flesh and blood, right? It's a spiritual warfare, but it's also a war of ideologies, and it's bigger than us. Black people, we think that this is about us, mm-hmm. and it's really not. We are simply pawns in a game being played between yep. between different ideologies. One is Western liberalism and capitalism, and the other is Marxism. And these the Cold War, essentially. And black people are just a pawn in it. And the Marxists have used us for their own purposes and their own agendas. And that's what we really want people to wake up to, to stop letting these people make you angry, make you go out in the streets, act a fool, only to use you for their own political power and purposes. Right? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's what we're saying. Black community, wake up, stop being used, stop being emotional, stop letting people um, kind of agitate you to think that you're in jeopardy. It's, it's that fight or flight mentality. And they just keep, they're taking advantage of us. And they've been doing it oh. since the sixties, you know, and we just need to wake up and say, you know what, wait a minute. Why is it every four years this starts again? Why is it that, when, you know, Pookie them and all of them get shot in the streets, there's no attention to it. But yet the minute there's one, you know, police officer or white person shoot a black person, everybody's down here. Like, why is it all of a sudden that's important? Why is it all of a sudden Black Lives Matter when that's the situation? But every day I'm losing friends, I'm losing homeboys, I'm losing people and right. nobody cares. Right. Mm-hmm. We got to start asking those questions of why is it all of a sudden politicized and a big deal? Why is why is Al Sharpton driving up all of a sudden? You know, mm-hmm. and it's because mm-hmm. they can they can take advantage of it. We are simply pawns in a game. And um, yeah, we just people need to wake up and realize that because that's what's been happening for decades. I think you're you're hitting on something that's so true is, you know, that we are definitely pawns in a much bigger game. And I would commend anyone who thinks, well, they just, you know, using their voice to prop up whiteness and da 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 da. Check out um, Herbert Marcuse and yes. look at how Marcuse had a vision for using minorities to be able to overturn the, the power structures, which goes all the way back to the conversation of the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And yep. so, you know, dig into how, I know if, if you're watching this and you're big on blackness, look at how, you know, white Germans really had a, a thought process on a plan to be able to overturn a lot of, 
the capitalistic mentality of America, but the goal was to use minorities in order to be able to do that. Look at people like Lenin, you know, so um you the 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 information's out there it's just very um little known not a lot of people know it but we have to do our due diligence instead of um just running with the mob you know as the scriptures say don't just run with the mob we don't just run and get angry you know just because this is what's presented to us even if it's presented to us over and over again we want to make sure that we do our due diligence and say okay hey look before i before i hop on anybody's bandwagon i'm going to do the research for myself and if you do the research you'll see especially marcuse and marcuse was all about how can i use the minority voice Ways to overturn, um, you know, a lot of what's happening in America. And I mean, he was all the way back, what, 40 years ago, if not a little bit more. So there's that. Um, but there was something that that you hit on, Kevin, and I'm not exactly sure what it was, but it reminded me of, um, or maybe it was you, Virgil, talking about, you know, the things that we hear, the stories that we hear and how um, a lot of a lot of the narrative from the 60s. Oh, it was about the seven year old girl. You know, this has been this is the ideology that's been taught to her, that's been told to her. Well, one of the things y'all hit on in the documentary and um, oh, gosh, I'm not I don't remember the psychologist's name. It might be Metzger. But um, she was saying that of course, you know, the narrative of slavery, and she's definitely, I would, I don't know definitely, but I would say, I suspect she's a pro CRT person. Um, And she was being used as an example in the documentary of things that we currently hear in our culture. But one, but her position was that slavery and the trauma from slavery is definitely the reason why we can see the behavior we see in black Americans today. I completely think that's a mess. Because, you know, when you look at right after slavery and all through Jim Crow and, you know, Black Wall Street and up until the civil rights movement, you you hear a different narrative. You see something different. But I want to know, what is your take on it from from y'all's perspective regarding that? And just how, how do we think through this idea that we can blame slavery on all of the ills that, you know, Blacks are participating in today? Right. Well, it, I mean, the, the whole point of Things like CRT is so well uh, it, to reproblematize uh, narrative. So what, what they, you know, what what pro- the you know, CRT idea go back historically, find something as re- reproblematize it as if it's happening today, or it, or, or or in their mind things are actually worse today. At least they'll say at least back then. It was out in the open. Now it's so covert and it's so embedded uh, within the structural systems that, that, that form the framework for America uh, that, it, it, that, that it can't be seen. So it's, it's as if it's right. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, what it, what it, what it ends up becoming uh, is, is racism. Uh, 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 white supremacy uh, becomes its own God. It, it, I mean, becomes, it becomes deity. Uh, can overcome that no one can... Uh, it, it's it's all powerful. It's all knowing. Uh, it's everywhere present. I mean, it, it has all of it has all of the attributes of God Himself, right? Uh, and and so the black man can't overcome it. Uh, and that's that's kind of what you see. And and all of this is it, it stems from the reproblematizing of something that happened historically in the past that people presently never experienced. Uh, but they're but they're leveraging uh, someone else's history in an effort to gain and obtain 
uh, social advantage. But none of that explains, uh, you know, a, a 71 percent uh, a, a rate of, of single parenthood in our communities. None of that explains uh, the, the high levels of, of, of drug abuse and use that happens uh, in, in, in black culture. None of that explains issues like the guy, James Lambert, uh, out in Philadelphia, a 71-year-old man who's walking the streets who gets, uh, who gets mobbed uh, by a bunch of teenagers, uh, preteens, actually, who are out late at night uh, and, and, and ended up, he ends up losing his life because they jumped on him. He, he, he was black. They were black. There was no white anything involved. But this man, 71 years old, loses his life as he's walking down the street. Uh, you know, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-old kids actually, actually murder this man. N none of that explains the, the, the image of the, of the young kid uh, in, uh, uh, um, in Minnesota. Uh, he's out. He's, he's basically in diapers. Uh, screaming at police officers. There, there was no white supremacy that caused that to take place. And what you're seeing in, in that situation in, 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 uh, in Minnesota is an early indication of something very negative that will, that will, that will happen in that life uh, if someone does not get a hold of him uh, and, and, and train him how to deal with authority, how to deal with police officers, and how to engage uh, uh, adults. Um, none of that has anything. To, there's no re-problematizing slavery to say that that behavior that we saw on that street corner in that video with these kids in that situation with the 71-year-old man had anything to do with the other. How you, how, you, how you try to dot I's and cross T's to make all that make sense? None of it makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is, is really a spot on, and it doesn't align with the historical narrative. And that's not just being said now. There have been blacks who've been saying this for decades that. Hmm. This narrative that this was the black culture or the black community prior to a certain point is like, no, it wasn't, you know, um, where the reason we're seeing what we're seeing now and the anger we're seeing now is because the perpetual message of oppression, right? It, that has what has caused the hopelessness. That is what has caused the the kind of the breakdown we could talk about, you no, know, we don't have time to get into it, but the war on poverty that incentivized, you know, fathers not being in the home that started in the sixties. There's a lot that happened in the 1960s that we saw a dramatic decline within the black community. Right. And so it, you can't blame it on slavery when post slavery, the numbers were high. You can't yeah. blame it on, Black Wall Street, when post-Black Wall Street, the numbers were high in terms of families and marriage and the, the culture was completely different. What we call today Black culture is not Black culture. Right. Right. Megan the Stallion, right? That is something that has come along completely later. That is not what it means. That is not Black culture. And we just need to kind of reclaim that um, because it's kind of been co-opted as that is what the black community is. That's what black culture is. And then just, just this narrative of, oh, you are oppressed and you can't get ahead. And that's where the anger comes from. That's where the bitterness comes from. And, and we just need to, you know, free people from that narrative. And, and it's a, it's a continuous narrative. They do it. They do it every time it goes from slavery to Tulsa, to Jim Crow, to redlining, to George Floyd. They're just kind of trying to do this hop skip and they miss a lot good. all in between there. And they try to tie it all together by simply pointing to these individual points within history. But that doesn't tell the story. 
that's not a true right. narrative of American right. history or the or the history of the black community, you know. And right. so, but they weaponize that history by pointing to those key events that kind of keep people angry and in bondage because that's what they want. They want us angry and they want us in bondage because we're just pawns in a bigger play. And so, the minute we realize that. I think the minute that we can truly realize our potential and get back to that Booker T. Washington type mindset, right? Well, we are really truly seeking to achieve excellence in all we do. You know, we're, we're seeking to achieve um, kind of living out those original black values of family, yeah. right? Yeah. And not this idea of thoughts and twerking and baby mamas and all of this stuff that is not black culture. Did you see, there was a video I posted on Twitter the other day of, um, of uh, it was T.D. Jakes and uh, he was introducing his wife. Did you see this? He was introducing his wife. He was at somebody else's church. I won't even name him, but uh, he was introducing his wife. He's talking about, hey, uh, you know, hey baby, stand up and show everybody, show everybody what, you know, uh, how, how good I did, you know, and all that. And, and they were like, "Ooh!" Was going on and on about her, and he, and he said, "He said, and she she can even she she's a hot she's a hot grandmama, and she can even twerk in Jesus' name." I thought, "Ooh, ooh, oh <laughs> man, wow!" He was like, "She she she can even mm. twerk for the Lord." I said, no, "Oh." He- mm. Now there was a there was a time there was a time in, in black and black church culture. That if he would have said something like that, folks would have walked him off the platform. Yes. Right? But yes. that's not what they did. They they hooted and hollered and oh girl, you know, that whole thing. And mm. and he kept on going. He kept I mean, I I could not believe it. I had to post it. I'm like, I can't believe he did that. But sure enough he did. Wow. I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 it goes it goes to the to, to the devolution the the the, the, the destruction right yep. the, the the devolving yep. of a black culture of, of b what 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 the church is supposed to be like what what we're supposed mm-hmm. to what we're supposed to emulate you know and and, yep. and it's that, that that's not there anymore yeah and and to bring it back to the documentary to into the name of the documentary uncle tom those of us who have a high view of the black community, those of us who see the dignity of the black community, those of us who really truly believe black people can achieve, we are the ones who are called the Uncle Toms. Yep. We are the problem ones. Let, let that sink in. Mm-hmm. Those who, who really believe in the community, those yep. who really believe in the culture and then the, the potential that is there are simply the ones who are considered to be problematic. But those who think less of it, those who say, oh, they just can't, you know, those who have the soft bigotry of low expectations, let's just remove the standardized testing because the black kids are too dumb to even take the test, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the allies. Those are the heroes. Those are the true black people, right? And it's such a twisted message, right? And so I really want people to really start to examine who is really on your side and who really is just there trying to right. make a buck off of you. So. Yeah, that's and good. if your pastor is calling for holy twerking in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to find a new church, boo boo. You don't have to do something else because the holy twerking that I don't know where that's gonna lead. 
I'm not trying to, you know, state the condition of your soul, but I don't know that holy twerking leads you to where you think it leads you. Mm-hmm. Look, I got one more question before we wrap. And I know I, I was I was thinking we was going to end, but now Virgil has said something, you brought in something. <laughs> we got the T.D. Jakes and we got the, you know, we the problems. But now, okay, so what do we say to those who think that we are the problem? Like, how do we help bring them more toward, you know, this, I feel like sometimes it, it, sometimes our message of like, you know, personal responsibility, autonomy, capitalism, people don't want to hear because they're so used to hearing you can twerk for Jesus. You know, you, you should shout your abortion. You should. And I mean, they're hearing this from Christians, you know, they're not hearing this from, yeah, they do hear it from Beyonce, but I feel like for blacks who, you know, profess Jesus, they actually hear all of this narrative, you know, you, you should be, you know, supporting welfare. And, you know, honey, if, if, if that man don't want to be with you and, you know, da, 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 and you just get an abortion or you can get on welfare, just, I mean, y'all can still be together and just don't marry him. Cause then you can't get a check. Like there's so many um, issues that are present that Christians prop up. How do, what do you say to those um, who might be on the other the other side, basically, who are calling us the Uncle Toms to be able to s- help them see, hey, you, you've actually drunk some Kool-Aid here and it's not really working for you. Right. Well, I, 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 I'll, I'll jump in. Kevin, Kevin just preached a sermon a little bit ago, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just jump and say, you know, I've, I have never. I, I, I and you, you guys, I know I, I know you both well enough to know that you've never cared about what anybody called you. Um, you know, if they can, if, oh, if you got follow, that right, right, right. If we, if we, uh, we, we, you, we, we follow a savior who bled and died, right? And and he he told us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Then uh, name calling is probably not going to stop us, right? So, yeah. so, given given that understanding, I I, I also know that we've been told according to scripture to go and, 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 and preach the gospel, right. To, to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, that ethnos make, make disciples of all ethnicities, of all people, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. He's given us the promise, not that we would transform society, but the promise is that he would be with us even to the end of the end of the age. And so if we, Understand that, know that what our focus is not the outcome. Uh, our, our focus is on the message. Make sure that we articulate that with crystal clarity uh, to the folks. And it is at the end of the day, uh, God's sovereign plan and His providential purpose uh, to open the eyes of who of, of whosoever right would come uh, to, to the name of the Lord. And so I, I don't worry about um, who is listening, who's not. I don't even try to water down the message so that somebody can hear it sweeter, nicer, you know, because if, if, if Jesus was the most loving, giving, compassionate uh, person on the planet who ever walked the planet and, and they killed him, uh, my nicety is not going to be and is not going to it's not going to receive any any different an outcome. Uh, so therefore, it's just incumbent upon me to make sure that I'm clear uh, about the truth, clear about the message and deliver that. And I, I know that's that's what you guys do. That's why you started this podcast. 
that's why you constantly are traveling and speaking and engaging people and writing and, and putting curriculum together and all the different things uh, that you all are, are, are involved in doing. It's, it, it's for the hope uh, of seeing those, uh, seeing all come to, uh, come to saving knowledge of Christ, but specifically like, like Paul did for his, his brethren according to the flesh. We like you know th- th- those of us who who have ethnic you know, melanin in our skin and, and have a certain ethnicity. We we would love to see our brothers, according to the flesh, come to a saving knowledge of Christ and, and come out of darkness and into light. Amen. 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 And I think that's uh I think that's what we ended. We end on on the good news. We end on the gospel mm-hmm. because that at the end of the day that is the the solution. Um. Virgil, man, I appreciate it. This has been this has been awesome. We 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 gotta we gotta do it more often. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay. Y'all just yeah. holler at your boy. I'm just holler, I, just let me know. Let, listen, I, Mo knows as soon as she call, what when you call, what do I do, sis? You answer. Text right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, we definitely got to because this is this is the second time, and man, it's the second time that I just don't want it to end. So, but right? you know, <laughs> but we got we to. need to get Daryl. We do. Yeah, we do. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Make yeah. it happen. Oh, I, that that is- that is not that that's not difficult. It's just a matter of cornering him. He's got a new role there at GTY that he's trying to navigate well. Um, and and again, for me. Uh, I'm a little bit more flexible. You guys are on Pacific time. Uh-huh. And so what happens is I'm now, it's, it's later in the day for me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm three hours ahead of you guys. And so uh, it's, it's a little bit easier for me to say, okay, the end of my day, I can, I can break away and, and make stuff happen, but absolutely let I'll let him know. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get something scheduled. Uh, but again, anytime, Mo, anytime you call sis, I, I got you. I got you. Thank you. All right. And with that, you guys, thank you so much for watching. Check out Uncle Tom 2. If you haven't seen Uncle Tom 1, watch Uncle Tom 1. It's on Amazon Prime. Like, you can just go to Amazon and and watch it. If you have Prime, you can watch it for free. Then go to SalemNow.com and enter the code UT, the number two, um, VW. And you can buy the VD, the D, uh, not DVD. Look at I'm dating myself, y'all. I'm sorry. Y'all can buy the documentary for the same price that you would be able to rent it. So then you can own it. You can go back. It's a lot of concepts in there that you don't want to go back and be like, wait, what they say? How they say that? What happened? You guys don't sleep on this. The history that is presented in here really needs to be heard. And um, yeah, just understand that there are um, many. Black people who, you know, have a different worldview than what's actually being presented in the the media. So thank you both so much. And Kevin, look at you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you still you still traveling. You still in Texas. I am. I am. But um, I know you're looking forward to being home soon. So thank you. And thank you to Virgil Walker. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Deuces.